welcome to the Thankful Homemaker podcast, a podcast to be an encouragement and blessing to each other in the role God has called us to as women. I'm so thankful you stopped by, so grab yourself a coffee or tea and sit with me a bit as we talk about how God's Word impacts every area of our lives as Christian women. Hello, friends. I'm Marcy Farrell from ThankfulHomemaker.com, and we're talking today about when we find ourselves in a season of waiting on the Lord. As I'm sharing this episode with you, I find myself in a waiting room on the Lord, and it's been a long one, and I don't see an end near, but it's reminded me that when I give myself to Him, I give up my right to be in charge. And the reality is, we never really were in charge anyway, but we just came to that understanding when He opened our eyes to His sovereign control over every area of our lives. And even though it's a truth that I know, How many times do I want to think that somehow I can affect change in this particular situation? So waiting's hard because there's no guarantee that my waiting will end in this lifetime. And one thing I've learned, my waiting has deepened my trust in the Lord and has helped me to develop patience, perseverance, and endurance. And it's also given me different eyes to see with compassion others who are in a season of waiting. Betsy Childs Howard from a most highly recommended book called Seasons of Waiting, Walking by Faith When Dreams Are Delayed, shares with us, someone who lives with unmet desires is uniquely able to identify with and comfort others who live with unmet desires, even if their longings are of a different sort. If we wait to reach out to others from a position of fullness, we'll never do it. If on the other hand, we love others out of our own emptiness, we will, paradoxically, find we have an abundance of love to give. When I hear that too, I'm reminded of the saints of old who waited from Joseph, who spent many years in prison, Moses, who was 80 when the Lord called him to lead the Israelites, and Abraham, who was in his 90s when he had Isaac. But my most important reminder is God's people waited for the Messiah We do learn obedience in our waiting. Seasons of waiting are so good to see the Lord at work in our lives for our good and for his glory. So I'm learning, as the Apostle Paul did, that the thorn in my flesh is there to keep me humble and relying on the Lord in all things. I need to keep my eyes on Christ and be reminded that he will see me through all trials and circumstances. My inheritance is secure and his love for me stands firm in the midst of suffering. Susanna Spurgeon shares with us, she says, The Lord has strewn the pages of God's word with promises of blessedness to those who wait for him. And remember, his slightest word stands fast and sure. It can never fail you. So, my soul, see that you have a promise underneath thee, for then your waiting will be resting and a firm foothold for your hope will give you confidence in him who has said, they shall not be ashamed that wait for me, end quote. I also have a reminder I keep from Elizabeth Elliot in my journal. She says, he will not necessarily protect us, not from anything it takes to make us like Jesus. A lot of hammering and chiseling and purifying by fire will have to go into the process. Through it all, we learn to trust him in every little thing. I do pray we'll do that, to trust the Lord in every little thing. This is not an easy season, but I've learned what matters the most is my response. I desire to be content with what the Lord gives me and be reminded that his grace is enough. 
Psalm 2510 tells us all the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands of his covenant. And Amy Carmichael um, shares about that above verse. She says, all does not mean all but these paths were in now or nearly all, but perhaps not just this specially difficult, painful one. She says, all must mean all. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful. So I'm thankful to live in a home where my husband preaches the gospel to me daily in his words and actions. It reminds me that seemingly the worst thing that ever happened in human history was our Lord Jesus being put to death on a cross, and God allowed it. But instead, it was the best thing that could have happened in the history of our world. Our Savior died the death that we deserved, rose again and defeated death, and secured our salvation in heaven. There is no greater love than this. When I'm reminded of that truth, what do I have to complain about or question? Many times we as believers argue over whether a situation in our lives is caused or allowed by the Lord. A favorite book by Elizabeth Elliot that I turn to over and over again is called Be Still My Soul. And I want to share with you an entry in it that was a comfort and reminder to me and I hope will comfort you if you're in a season of waiting on the Lord. This entry was literally titled, Caused or Allowed. She said, to those of us who are not theologians, does it matter whether a thing is ordained or merely allowed? Are events that seem to be out of control caused by God? Or does he allow them to occur at the hands of human beings? You can spend a lot of time pondering that one and end up pretty much where you started. In either case, the purpose remains the same, our sanctification. God is in the business of making us walking, breathing examples of the invisible reality of the presence of Christ in us, end quote. My perspective is limited, and I can let my mind wander and go into the scenarios of all the what-ifs and find myself anxious and lacking the Lord's peace. This isn't God's desire for me as his child. He tells me in Matthew 6, 25 to 34, to seek first his kingdom and not to worry about tomorrow, for today has enough troubles of its own. He reminds me in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, to not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So what should our response be when we find ourselves in periods of waiting on the Lord? I have a few thoughts to share that have been a help to me, and my first reminder to myself is to trust in God's wisdom. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 comes to my mind. It's a familiar one to us all. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. So when you read with all all my heart, with all your heart there, it means that my trust in the Lord here goes beyond just a mental agreement with the truths in God's word, but it's a reliance on him and a confidence in his care and faithfulness. Here's that word again, in all areas of my life. My second reminder to myself is to look to the Lord and wait. Micah 7, 7 says, But as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Micah's circumstances were not good, but yet he looks for God's working in the situation. He's trusting the Lord to work in his way and in his time. How often in challenging seasons do we want everything in our own time? We need to trust and wait and pray. 
James Boyce says, It would have been easy for Micah to look around his society and begin to wonder if God were still working, still able to right the wrongs that had become endemic. And yet, instead of viewing the glass half empty, he chose to view the glass half full and to patiently wait for God to move in his perfect timing. The third thing I'd like to remind myself is to hope in his word. Psalm 130, 5 through 6 says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchman for the morning, more than watchman for the morning. The psalmist here is waiting expectantly on the Lord. Their hope is in God alone. The psalmist here knows that his hope is fully in the revealed word of God. God is the one he waits on, and God is the source of his hope. I want to remember that I am solely dependent on God's mercy and grace in my life, that my eyes would be focused on him, reminding myself that he is my hope. My fourth one that I remind myself is to look with eyes to the eternal. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. The Apostle Paul knew the hardships of living on this earth. He knew the hardships of ministry and proclaiming the gospel. The word for the moment, for the word moment here in the Greek, means at present. So Paul in that verse in 2 Corinthians 4.17 is talking about his present circumstances. When I think of the Apostle Paul... I think my momentary afflictions seem pretty light compared to his. But this verse goes on to explain to us that those momentary afflictions that we think are so hard right now in light of eternity are light in comparison to the weight of glory yet to come. Romans 8.18 reminds us, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that's to be revealed to us. I mean, life is hard. There's going to be disappointments, but these are the moments the Lord is using to shape us and sanctify us more and more into the image of Christ. Colossians 3, 2 through 4 reminds us, actually I'm taking it from 1 through 4 here. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Great ones to memorize there. This is the focus we need to have, to seek Christ and the life to come. I love this chapter in Colossians chapter 3 here because we were just reminded in the first two chapters of Colossians of the supremacy of Christ and of our salvation in Christ. And now the Apostle Paul moves to the practical. What does this look like lived out in our lives day to day? When we're told in verse 2 to, quote, set your minds, it means to think that our minds would go toward things of heaven. I'm camping in Colossians right now for my inductive Bible study time, so I'm really um, just enjoying that of all these verses, this has just been such a reminder to me. But So the Apostle Paul, he starts off reminding us in those first four verses I read um, that what we just read there in Colossians 3, 1 through 4 of our status as believers, which are what we call the indicatives. So the who we are by God's grace, right? And these truths that we know, right, should move us to what we know as the imperatives, which is what we should do according to the word of God. Because of who we are now, now we have what should we do. 
So we're living in the already not yet time and we're pilgrims going along this journey, but we know that we are eternally secure and we have access to all of God's blessings. So may we walk closely with the Lord and that our hearts would be set to heaven and take them off this world, but that we would have eyes to see not just the temporal, but that we would have eyes to see the eternal. My fifth one is a reminder I need for myself continually because I can give up on this. It's don't stop praying. Colossians 4.2 reminds us, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful with thanksgiving. I love this reminder from um, a gentleman named John Corson, and he writes, a few months ago, I saw a billboard that said, pray, it works. And I thought, true, but what if it doesn't work? Most of the time, we pray small prayers like, get me out of here. And when they don't work, we stop praying instead of learning what prayer really is. Prayer is not to get God to see things our way, but rather to get us to see things his way. Good reminder there. So God may not answer us in our timing or how we would like, but we may trust that he is working good in our lives as we wait for him and persevere in prayer. Give thanks in and through your difficult circumstances. I'm reminded here of 1 Thessalonians 5.18. It reminds us to give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. So Betsy Childs Howard, again, I'm grabbing another quick quote here from her Seasons of Waiting. She says, Waiting exposes our idols and throws a wrench into our coping mechanisms. It brings us to the end of what we can control and forces us to cry out to God. God doesn't waste our waiting. He uses it to conform us to the image of his son. So remember, ladies, all is under our Lord's control. All is to continue to mold us more and more into the likeness of Jesus. All is to continue to humble us and remind us to be dependent on the one who's in charge of all things. So how do you respond to the times of waiting in your life? Do you respond with bitterness or anger, slander, or a complaining spirit? Or do you respond with truth, love, and trust in the one, capital O, who is in charge of all things? Pride tells us we can handle things on our own, but it is the continuing dying of self and relying on the Lord for all things is where Jesus can be made manifest in us. So instead of talking to others about the difficulties of your life first, let's be loving, obedient children who take all of our cares and concerns first to our Father in heaven. He will change our hearts and minds to be one with his, and he'll take away all feelings of worry or concern or bitterness and turn them into a fragrant offering to himself. So one more last nugget I want to share from Elizabeth Elliot is one that she shares from a woman who was a spiritual mother to her, and she called her Mom Cunningham. So she says, Mom Cunningham protected me from, co- from copying a pretentious holiness as she told me about her failures. She was honest about her relationships with God. After her husband died, she told me about her many regrets, the things she should have done, and the things she shouldn't have done. She prayed, Lord, why didn't you help me? Why didn't you show me? She said he responded with deep love because you weren't ready to be shown. So my friends, as you and I pursue the way of holiness, may each one of us be ready to be shown. Romans 15, 13 reminds us, may the hope of God fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. 
So as I close, I want to leave you with an excerpt from the book, Choosing Gratitude, Your Journey to Joy by Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth. In one of the chapters, she shared a letter from a Bible teacher named Russell Kelfer. His suggestion with this letter I'm going to read to you, um, and I'm going to put it in the show notes too for you so you can have a peek at it, but his suggestion was to write it out, sign your name at the bottom, and make it a habit to recommit yourself to this challenging pledge on a regular basis. So ponder his words with me. He says, Having been born into the kingdom of God, I do hereby acknowledge that God's purchase of my life included all the rights and control for all eternity. I do further acknowledge that he has not guaranteed me to be free from pain or to have success or prosperity. He has not guaranteed me perfect health. He has not guaranteed me perfect parents. He has not guaranteed me perfect children. He has not guaranteed me the absence of pressures, trials, misunderstandings, or persecution. What he has promised me is eternal life. What he has promised me is abundant life. What he has promised me is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, meekness, and self-control. He has given me all of himself in exchange for the rights to my life. Thereby, I acknowledge this day the relinquishment of all my rights and expectations and humbly ask him by his grace to replace these with a grateful spirit for whatever in his wisdom he deems to allow for my life. Signed me, signed you. So friends, may we today realize that the Lord has full right to our lives. Lamentations 3, 25 through 26 is a great verse to close with today because it states it so beautifully. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. So my dear friends, may we wait with trusting and praying hearts. May we fix our minds on God alone. So whatever this life on earth brings in those times of waiting, we will not cease to bring him glory in and through it. Jesus is enough always. So friends, thank you so much for your time with me here today. You can find the show notes at thankfulhomemaker.com. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please share it with a friend and leave a review of the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a blessed week. Mm -hmm.